you have a Bible, and I hope you do, please turn with me to the letter to the Philippians. Philippians. So we're going to be taking a brief break from 1 Corinthians this morning to look here, this Vision Sunday, at Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 16. Now, this passage is not only a fitting passage for today, but it's a passage that has a broad scope to it. As in, it, it hits and impacts us on a number of levels, no matter where we are. It meets us right there. It lifts up the fallen. It encourages the weak, yet it spurs on every one of us to go after with everything in us, after what matters most. And that's what we need. We need something today, and really every day, that will aim us at that, at what matters most. And this passage here does that. It calls us, all of us, to a Godward pursuit, not of just anything, but of God and the kingdom of God in everything. And this truly is what we see as you think back and you recall and even consider the various men and women throughout history. This is what we see in them, in the men and women of old, this heartbeat for God and His will and His kingdom above anything else. They did count their life cheap in the gospel as priceless. They would go into the arena and suffer for Christ's sake and praise the Lord while they're dying for Christ because their life was cheap, but the gospel was priceless. That's what they were. And that's what we also are to be here, right here in America in twenty. 24, as the hymn goes, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. That is the kind of heart that we are to have, that you are to have, and I am to have. So A.W. Tozer, he gets at the sense of this pursuit when he wrote this. Come near to the holy men and women of the past, and you will soon feel the heat of their desire after God. They mourned for Him. They prayed and wrestled and sought for Him day and night, in season and out. And when they had found Him, the finding was all the sweeter for the long-seeking. So may that be you. May that be us. May that be me this Vision Sunday. So to see this, let's read here then and look here then at Paul's words beginning with verse 12 of chapter 3. May God bless the reading of His inerrant, inspired, sufficient, authoritative, clear, and life-changing word. Not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect. 
but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything, if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now these verses here come right in the thick of this letter to the Philippians and really come very near to the end of the letter to the Philippians. Yet before we get here to these verses, there's a lot more before all this, right? You know, Paul, he has joyfully set forth what is central to him. This letter, Philippians, it has this unique way of just calling us out towards that also, to what is central to Paul, that this isn't just to be kind of a, a Paul thing, but this is to be a Christian thing. Like what Paul is, what he's about, what he's aiming at, what he's vigorously pursuing, that is not just for him. It's for every single one of us. Every single follower of Jesus Christ, it is for you. But I will say, and I, I want to say this as well, what he emphasizes in this will challenge you. And it will challenge us, especially because we're Americans. We love our comforts. Well, Paul's not landing there. In fact, he's not there at all. So just hear what he says in this letter. So Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 21. He says, Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, because he's in prison, for the sake of the gospel. The most joyful letter in the entire New Testament. Think about that. This will turn out for my deliverance, as is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Amen. In that circle of life, everything in it is about Christ. And that's to be you too. But everything in the other circle, death, looking forward, glorification, new heavens, new earth, is about Christ. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain because of Christ. Amen. That's where he is, and that's where I'm going. And then, a few verses later there in chapter 1, and many say this is the main theme of the, this letter, chapter 1, verse 27. But I'll read till verse 30. He says, Paul says, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come, come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving side by side 
for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you. Is this the way you think of what he's getting ready to say in these verses? For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Engage in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. What a different heartbeat from this sense all around us today, right? The sense of even within Christianity of the way that you understand what it means to be a believer. Is that how you look at being a follower of Jesus Christ? God granted you to suffer for Christ's sake? Praise the Lord. What is your theme? That is his theme. Is the themes of the early church as they lived right in the thick of martyrdom for the sake of Christ. Even you have people like Ignatius just writing his letter saying, man, I just want to die for Jesus. I mean, he's longing for that. Please put me in the arena for the sake of Christ. You see how different this is from where we are? So embedded within Christianity... It's not a couch, but it's a cross. And Paul, he knows that. And he's even rejoicing right in the midst of that, writing this letter while he's in prison. Yet his passion for Christ, it remains this blazing fire in the midst of that, that we might be that also. That you and me and us, that we would be that also. Now the Judaizers here come along in chapter 3. This is what he's talking about at the beginning of chapter 3. The Judaizers wrongly thought that salvation was bound up in some bad math. Now what do I mean bad math? Many of you know math very well in this room. Much better than me. I'm not talking about 2 plus 2. Equals four, but they had some bad theological math. They said Jesus plus circumcision plus the law equals salvation. Well, Paul's response to them in chapter 3, verses 1 through 11, it's telling. Compared to the Judaizers, as they're like looking at things, they're like, man, look at me. You see how I'm following the law? I've been circumcised. I'm pretty good. I've got those. And I've got Jesus. Do you have all that? Well, Paul, he's looking at them. He says, all right, guys, you want to talk about physical stuff, the law, like religious pedigrees? Okay, let's do that. <laughs> right? And so compared to the Judaizers, Paul's religious pedigree and religious zeal were absolutely unmatched. If anybody would fall in the category of like the highest of Judaizers, it would be Paul, like I'm above every one of you. But what does he say? What does he say to all that? He makes it plain that none of that saves. It's not Jesus plus circumcision 
plus the law. It's only Jesus, period. And so he writes here these powerful words that some of my favorite words in this letter that just blow me away as he writes them in verses 7 through 11, describing his heartbeat, describing what happened to him even, and what you are to be. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All those things you think are important, Judaizers, that's nothing. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul is saying, it's all about Christ. And he's saying, I am all about Christ. There's nothing in this world, there's nothing you have, there's nothing the future has in this world that surpasses the worth of Jesus. Amen. Now, as you hear that, I'll just pause here and say, friends, it may well be that here you are this morning and you are very much like the Judaizers. You're hoping in something just as empty as they are. It might be something or it might even be someone. Maybe it's promising you that they will save you. If you just do this, you do this, you do this, you obey, you keep all these rules, you never sin. I mean, you just keep on going and you, once you do all that, then what's at the end of that? Well, maybe, maybe, just maybe you'll make it. Some promise that you'll be saved, but friends, if it is not Christ, it does not save, and it cannot save. Amen. It is Christ, and Christ alone who saves. Amen. So before you come and you take to heart this passage, consider him who is of surpassing worth this morning. He is worth more than anything you have in this world. Any person you know, anything at all, any religious system, any philosophy, any idea, any government. He is of surpassing worth. He is the true king. That would be your king and your forever king. And so if you're here and you don't know Christ, you have been trusting in what is empty to save you. Jesus can save you this morning. You need to turn away from those empty things and turn to him who is full and who will fully save you. You need to repent and believe the gospel and trust in the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So you need to do that. Before we look at these other verses, you need to do that. 
So in view of Paul's heartbeat, with that heartbeat, Christ-centered, Christ-exalting, the surpassing worth of Jesus, this passion, then we come to our passage here and see our own call, yours, mine, and ours. And it's this. Let's vigorously go after Christ and the kingdom of Christ. Let's vigorously go after Christ and the kingdom of Christ. This is Paul's center. It's his passion and it is to be our passion also. And so let's make it ours. But as we do, as you hear all of that and you're thinking, well, wow, vigorously and all that. I mean, like pursuing after this and all these things, but here I am. I might have pursued after this as though I can just, I'm perfect and, and all these things like that. And the answer is no. As we do, even fueling our passion all the more, you and I, we need to see that we're not there yet. We're not there yet yet. Now, as we read what he says here, as he says these things, you know, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, we'd be right to ask, what has he not yet obtained, right? Well, he's not yet resurrected. He's not glorified yet, not in glorification yet. So, in other words, as believers... He's saying, and you're to hear today, for you, neither are you. We are not there yet, saints. We're not perfect. We're not complete. We're not finished. There's not a time in this life where you can say, you know what? I've made it. <laughs> you know, I am now like Christ. I am there. You will not be able to say that at any point in this life. There's more to go. Now, as you hear that, that might be a hard pill to swallow for you. Because maybe you have been. You've been going and thinking, man, I've got to do this thing perfectly. If I mess up, it's over. You know? Any, any mistake, any sin, I mean, that, that's it. And so this may be a hard pill to follow for you. I thought I was there. But hear me here. You need to know that you're not perfect and neither am I. You need to know this and get it in your bones. Because if you don't, sin will surprise you. Now, yes, I mean... Sin will surprise you anyway. <laughs> I mean, I could talk a long time about how many ways we could be surprised at sin just as we look at the world and history. So it's going to do that. But I mean, when you see it, not in someone else, but when you see in your own heart, in your own life, sin. And if you think that you're all good, that might just leave you undone. What is this? I didn't know this, this terrible thing was in my heart. Well, friends, it is. And we like to hide it really well. 
but it's in my heart. It's in your heart. And if you don't recognize that right now, when it comes, you're going to be blown away. And so you're not there yet, friend. We're not. But what are we to do? We are to be like Paul. As he says in verse 12, I press on to make it my own. Now Paul is using a rather intense word here, that phrase, make it my own. It means to grab it, to lay hold of it, to seize it. It's vigorous. It's not like dainty, like, I'm just going to grab it. You know, that's not, that's not what he's, he's saying here. He says, I am after this with everything in me. I'm going after it. I'm going to take it and seize it. That's the language he's using here. He's vigorous in this. But as you hear that, you might be like, well, wait a minute, huh? <laughs> that's kind of confusing. You know, and what is it? He says this again in chapter 3, verse 13 there. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. And so it sounds like he might lose it. I mean, is this something that he can lose? He doesn't consider that he has it yet. However, here is where we see what he knows, what he remembers, and what we are to remember also. We are to remember this. Remember who you are and remember whose you are. As Paul says this, he knows. He is certain and he's vigorous. Paul, he knows this. But what is he doing? He's living like he doesn't know it. So what does he know? You keep talking about knowing, but what, do you, what does he know? Well, he knows this, verse 12. But I press on to make him my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Amen. He knows with certainty that he belongs to Christ. That is done. In fact, that is what is driving his words here. He does remember who he is and who he belongs to. And that is what's driving his vigor here. I belong to him, so I'm going after this thing with everything I am. It's driving everything he does. He knows, and he means what he said back in Galatians. And what did he say in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. The Christian life is lived in view of this. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. And as we see here with Paul, that does not lessen your vigor. It turns embers into a blaze. And we see the fire of Paul just going out everywhere 
anywhere. You beat me, I'm going to keep coming at you. You want to take my life, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep preaching Christ. You take my job, I'm going to keep going. You take my family, you do whatever you want to do. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. We just see him burning for Christ. And so he belongs to Christ. And so he can do as he said back in chapter 2, verse 12. He can work out his salvation with fear and trembling because it is God at work to will and work for his good pleasure. Now when you come to faith in Christ, or when you came to faith in Christ, Friends, it's not a call to a couch to sit back and relax. Now, don't hear me wrong. We have peace in Christ. We have comfort in the Lord. We have joy. But when you come to faith, what what does Jesus say? If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The vision Jesus has for your life as a believer is a cross. And so it's not to couch, to sit back and relax. It's a call to action and to gospel vigor. He knows Christ, yet is living as though he's not there yet. He's living with the finish line in view, and he is vigorously going after it with everything he is. How different might your life be and my life be if we live like this, like Paul is living here and as he did live, where he didn't put his feet up after he came to faith in Christ, but as those raised new in Christ, what if we then went and walked in newness of life, right? This is the newness of life Paul is talking about. Jesus Paul is saying, there it is. That's what you're to do. That's what we are to do. We're to keep going. Keep going. Next point in your notes, keep going. Paul, he says in verse 13, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. And so he is straining for this, but he's doing this while at the same time forgetting what lies behind. Now, what does that mean? What does that look like practically? You know, as we are trying to live out the Christian faith, like, how do we do that? Forget what lies behind and everything else. Well, what does that even mean? Well, it's forgetting, yes, past sins and failures. And so it's included in that. And there's let me just kind of put an aside here. But at the same time, you're always looking back and you're remembering what Christ bought me and saved me. See what he did there for me. He paid for all those sins. So there's a sense of looking back that points you to Christ. But here he's saying you're not letting those past sins and failures keep you from living for the Lord. And so it includes that. But it's also forgetting past successes as well. You're not running in view of past sins or failures or past successes as well. Nor in view of either one of those. 
And Paul had those. He's not, he's not looking at those. He's saying, I'm forgetting all these things. I planted this church. I did these things here. I preached the gospel. These people came to faith in Christ. All these things. I had these visions and God, Jesus came to me. He showed me the gospel. He revealed himself to me. All these things. Yet, I'm pressing forward. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. When you look back like that, that will cause you to stumble, won't it? As in, you're running full speed ahead with vigor, right? I mean, just picture yourself there. And you know, the wind's blowing against your cheeks. I mean, going as fast as you can, you know, going at it. Your hair blowing back. You're making good ground. But what happens if you're running as fast as you can, and you look back, but you continue at the same pace. Well, you know. You might do all sorts of things. You might run into something. You might stumble. You might trip up your legs. You might hit a bump. It throws you off. It slows you down. But Paul is saying, I am not doing that. No past sin. No past successes. He is dead set on the goal, forgetting as you consider forgetting in your own life, forgetting is not a mark of indifference, but is a mark of humility, even of faith. I'm his. He's got me. And I am aiming after what's most important. And I am not going to take my eyes off of you, Jesus. I'm just going to go. You're the goal. And I'm going to keep going. So, let's go for the goal. Let's go for the goal. What is your goal, friends? There are many things that will throw us off and misdirect us and even take us off the path. When you're aiming at your kingdom... That is not this, right? When you're aiming at sin, you're aiming at self, you're aiming at the world, that is not this. There are so many things all around us that are not this. The goal is Christ, His kingdom. It's this heartbeat. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There it is. There's where your eyes are. Always. As Paul, he says, just a little bit down here in chapter 3 and verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. He is saying, friends, you are not citizens wherever you are. You are citizens of the kingdom of God. And that is what you are to be after. Always. That's what we are to be about. There is the goal. There is the prize. Christ and the kingdom of God in Christ. 
Now notice here though, as Paul says all these things, no one is to be just standing still. There's no one to be off on the sidelines. We aren't called to coast. You aren't called to coast, but to run. He knows the Lord. He belongs to the Lord. Yet he is living vigorously for the Lord. It sounds like knowing Christ won't lessen your living for him, but will actually make it all the more vigorous. Is that right? So are we living like that? Is his kingdom what we're after, what you're after, above anything and above everything else? Well, I say may it be, brothers. May it be, sisters. May that be what we're after with everything in us. Because that we have. And so what's holding us back? No one can hurt us. No one can do anything to us. They could take your life, so what? Right? Take your home, it's not mine. Take my car, well, that's not mine either. God gave that to me. <laughs> my job, well, my days and life are in his hands. So we are to go vigorously after Christ and the kingdom of Christ. And along with that, second, Let's go after Christ and the kingdom of Christ and let's not look back. Let's not look back. So as we look at these last verses here, Paul really isn't making a different point here. He's underlining what he just said. <laughs> he's, he's putting in italicies. You know, he's making sure that you get this Underline, 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 get it. He's saying with verse 15, don't just think in any way here, but think this way. Think this way. He's not saying there's another way to think, but if you don't think this way, you know, you can figure something else out, you know. He's not saying that. He's making a humble point here, even a gracious one. In God's grace, he's saying, God will show you these things. He will show this to you. If you're, if you're not seeing this, God will make this plain. He will help you. He will grow you. He will lead his children onward in maturity in the Lord. And so this is an encouragement towards that, towards being like him. And so he says in verse 16, paraphrase, don't go back. Don't go back. That's in your notes too. Don't go back. So before that, broad point, let's not look back. Under that, think this way. Under that, don't go back. Now Paul here, he is taking to heart Jesus' words that David read a moment ago from the Gospel of Luke. 
You, you remember all that? We just heard a minute ago Jesus was calling people to himself to be about his kingdom. And he's saying, yeah, if you're going to come after me, you're coming after me, right? And don't look back. And so he says there, it says there in Luke 9.62, Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Well, this is part of what Paul is getting at here also. We're not to look back. We're not to go back, but we are to keep on going. You and I are to have one person, one goal before our eyes, and it is Christ. It is the kingdom of God in Christ, and we are always to be straining forward to be more like him. Because we, this church, you and I are what? We are not there yet. Don't go back. You and I, we are to look forward toward the goal. And this is the goal right here. You know how strange it would be you know, if an adult went back as it went being, from being old to being young again. Now, some of you are like, amen, I want that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> take these pains away and everything else. I want to get, get there, but I don't mean just in that way, but going back even to being a baby. I mean, that would be strange, wouldn't it? You're like, you're older now and growing up, and then you go back to being this little baby in diapers and everything else. And that's strange. <laughs> and, and that's not to be. That's what Paul is saying. So what are we to do? He's saying, don't go back to that. Let's go forward. Let's go forward. Right now, this morning, it might be that you are hurting. You have a lot of things going through your mind and questions and you're wondering about this, you're wondering about that. You might be in the thick of a storm. Well, see where you are to aim. Right in the thick of that. Maybe, maybe the future, as you look at it, looks hazy. Well, see here what you are to do. Always onward. Always onward to be more like Christ, to be about Christ and his kingdom. Friends, onward, Christian soldier. So no matter who you are, what's going on, hear Paul this morning, you are not there yet. Whether you're young or you're old, you're educated or uneducated, whether you have much or you have little, whether you have been in the church for one year or you've been in the church for 50 years, you are not there yet. And so with vigor, onward, forward to the glory of God, knowing, knowing that He will not fail. He has you. You're His. And we are his.
And so today is Vision Sunday. This Sunday, Vision Sunday, let's see our common goal. It's not just anything. It's Christ. It's pressing on in Christ. And it's pressing on for the glory of God in Christ. It's making His kingdom our aim. Whatever we have to do. Whatever the cost. Our heartbeat, desire, pursuit. We are exerting and straining forward for that. So see yourself. Put yourself in these verses. Now, as Paul does, running, reaching, and pressing onward with one vision. This is you right now, 2024. This is us, 2024, with one vision. And as you run, you're vigorously going forward. And there will be bumps, there will be storms, there will be winters, there will be summers, there will be heat, there will be cold, there will be mountains, and there will be valleys, there will be wonders, there will be narrow paths, and there will be false paths, there will be temptations, there will be thorns, and there will be snares. Yet, what are we to do? Right there, and right then, and always. Here it is. Let Christ and the kingdom of Christ be what we're after. So may that be us. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you today and we thank you for our time that we could have to get in your word here and to consider these things, to ponder these things, to let them affect us and our hearts and our lives in this church, in its mind, in its heart, in its life. May you do that, Father, in us. May you be with us as we go here in just a few moments to hear Vision 2024 for Haven. May you be with us. May you help us. And may you help each one of us to take these things to heart individually, here and now in America, for Christ and the kingdom of Christ, and that we would also as a church. May we respond to your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.